Hello, and welcome to Nell and Noel on the Town. That's the name we're going with, right? No. No? On the Town with Nell and Noel. On the Town with Nell and Noel. I'm Noel. I'm Nell. Clearly Nell is the brain of the operations, the one who properly remembers the title of our new podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So we came up with the idea for this podcast where the two of us would talk about video games together in depth because um now you're on the emerald games cast with me yep and it's a lot of fun we talk about the news we talk about the games industry we do it in about a 60 minute block and we keep up with what's happened in the world that's a lot of fun but the effect of that is we don't get a whole lot of time on the record to do what is really uh exciting and casual which is just like talk about video games you know sometimes you're playing a game that just isn't newsworthy there's no reason to make some other editor do it so i figure if we're editing our own thing we can sit down have a cup of coffee and uh talk about games and no no coffee's a bit of a fixture here it is tell us uh tell the audience what we're drinking today um this morning, and by morning I mean it's actually like five o'clock at night, <laughs> we are drinking a French pressed cup of Sister's Coffee. It's Black Butte Gold is the name of the roast. They were founded in 1989 mm-hmm. in a little cabin by, I believe, a husband and wife duo. I have the names in front of me. One second. In Central Oregon by uh, Winfield and Joy. So let's see. We're missing some first names there. Let's just say, yeah, Winfield and Joy. A little wooden cabin in Central Oregon. Yeah, they started making little five-pound batches, and today I buy them every week, or I make you go buy them every week. And every week? Every week. Would you say this is your, your, your favorite brand of coffee? I don't know if it is mine. Really? Yeah. I think so. I I really enjoy Stumptown. As, as an Oregonian, I can't pretend Stumptown doesn't exist and I like it just fine but what I like about Sisters is that it's a little bit more local than Stumptown and it's a little bit less acidic it is yeah um this particular blend I now let me let me be honest with you listeners uh we we drink a lot of coffee I wouldn't say we qualify as some kind of coffee aficionado pair um I got a. We've broken two French presses yeah. this year, actually. Well, one of them broke in my hand, and that's a story for a different time. But I have a I have a bad nose, and I have a hard time smelling things with any nuance. I think that by extension, that might mean that my palate is a little weak too. Mm-hmm. I I taste things, and I'm like, mmm, that is good and bitter, and that that's about what I got. But I will tell you that according to sisters black butte gold says that it has a heavy body and balanced finish with dark chocolate tobacco and roasted almond tastes well do you do do you catch that um i'll take a sip okay i smell it and it smells like sour coffee it tastes like coffee you know yeah, I'll tell you though. I don't have the bad nose. I don't have an excuse. I just, I'm the same with wine. I'll never go, 
oh yes, this wine has has hints of rosebud in it. You ever it. heard him say it has a good nose? You ever heard that? No. Wine people, they sniff wine and they go, hmm, it has a nice nose. It has a nice nose. I've heard them compliment its body before. Well, that's that's fun to me because I like these words that are so vague that I'm not saying they don't mean anything. I'm not saying that they're vapid, but <laughs> they don't specify if you haven't learned the terminology. So it's very like, has a rich body. It's like, does that mean the coffee is is thick? Does that mean it means it's like flavorful? Yeah. Okay. So let's let's say this. Now I'm not I'm not giving all this info to come out in the beginning of our coffee slash drink slash video game fireside chat podcast with the impression left on you that we don't know how to taste coffee. I say this because I I thought that maybe this podcast could be a really good inspiration for you and I, and, you know, listener at home if you're interested, to pay more attention to the Mm -hmm. blend that we're making, to the coffee that we're drinking, and see if over time we actually can start to identify these tastes. Yeah. I've never tasted coffee and said this tastes like dark chocolate, but I do know that I gravitate towards heavy-bodied coffees. So I would like to learn how to do that over time, and I'm hoping that in some way or another... This podcast can kind of document that. I had a friend once who used to travel around to tea shops, order whatever they had not had before on the menu, and then get a little notebook out and write down a review that filled about half a page or so. And over the time, compiled a list of the teas and were able to just go in depth whenever they tasted anything they could tell you about. Oh, that's really cool. What was in it. And, um, I envy that. So yeah. let's try and get there with some coffee. We should. And we're going to open the episodes talking about what we're drinking, but it's not always going to be coffee. Nope. We're going to eventually do a Yaku's episode. Got, and I'm going to have some whiskey for that. I get some whiskey. Uh-huh, yeah. I am planning um, vodka cocktails for the Metal Gear episodes. Really? Yeah. Oh, because of MGS3, because the Russia setting? Yes. Okay. I like so, that. I like that. So, yeah. I feel like Solid Snake would be like a light beer kind of guy i feel like salt i feel like i feel like naked snake you know big boss that's a whole other discussion what, what to call him we'll call him big boss on this podcast i think that big boss likes a good whiskey i think solid snake doesn't give a shit i think he drinks a like 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 a pilsner big boss likes wine he likes red wine oh my god he does drink canonically in the end of mgs3 yeah he sips a good glass of wine yeah with eva but did eva buy the wine and big boss shy and uh, you know, reticent as he is, not speak up on his wine preference, or did he choose the wine? Because they also had an animal skin carpet in that apartment, and that doesn't strike me as his taste. Is that a reference to Ocelot? We'll get to that in the Metal Gear episode. If no, the, it's not. It's like if a... the carpet in Metal Gear Solid Three. <laughs> Um, is a reference to Ocelot. Oh, maybe it is his taste. This is the guy that eats animals raw in the field. Do you think that's an animal that he ate? It, like a, a whole ass, like... Tiger or 400 whatever. pound predator animal? Yeah. Yeah, Big Boss could handle that. Oh, yeah. Guy fights robots all the time. <laughs> he could punch a sturdy animal. So, drinks aside, which, if you haven't guessed, like Nell said, will be a thing here. We're also here, of course, talking about video games. And... Fittingly, we thought that this first episode could be called Coffee Games. And Coffee Games, for me, 
I'm assuming that's the same thing for you. Well, Nolan coined the term as far as I'm aware. Well, I didn't look up if anyone else had talked about these, but I'm in my brain I coined the term, so <laughs> we'll go with that. They're not games that contain coffee. Um, well, they can be. They, they can, but that is not the criterion that we focus on. What they are are games that pair perfectly with a relaxing mood, a good cup of coffee, and just let you while the time away like you're wrapped up in a fuzzy cozy blanket. Mm. Um, These are games you wind down with, not games that you slip into and get into that fever pitch action mood. Vanquish is not a coffee game. Resident Evil 4 is not a coffee game. Uh, If that doesn't tell you what it is, then our list will and we haven't shared our list with each other we don't know what the other person is bringing as far as coffee games but um every episode is going to be something like this we're going to come in with with either a topic or more likely and more often we'll come in with a single game and just dive into that game for you know man however long we we feel like it that's why that's why we're sitting in the mood lighting we have in this room with this fireplace on our computer screen so that we and kind of do this fireside chat style podcast. So, yeah. does that match up with your idea of coffee games? More or less, yeah. Okay. Do you want to go first? I absolutely do not. <laughs> okay. Mine's cheating. Yours is cheating? Yeah. Well, I won't ask why yours is cheating, because I'm assuming you're going to get back to that later. Mm-hmm. So, I'll pull my list out here, and um, I have a few written down, and I'm not sure where to start with. So, I'll start with one we just played yesterday. Okay? It's not a traditional style game, but uh, I'd say a pretty damn good coffee game might be Microsoft Flight Simulator 2020. That's surprising. Okay. Because that game is both really relaxing for me to watch you play because Mm -hmm. I don't have to do it, but you have to, (laughs) like, not mess up. You know... Yeah, and I don't think that... Well, it comes with a caveat. The early days of me playing Flight Sim were a lot of wiki diving and reading manuals and getting tips from YouTube and Reddit. But once you figure out, and it's a lot less complicated than it seems, to be honest, uh, flying a plane inside of a sim, because you don't have the pressure of actually doing anything wrong like you would in a real plane. So you can really trial and error your way into an understanding that you wouldn't be able to do in real life. Once you figure out how to fly a plane straight and level, it's pretty damn hands-off. You you get that up there, you set the trim, you know, get, what do you want, 15,000 RPMs on a little Cessna 152 and just get it so your altimeter needle stops moving and then just kind of just go. You don't even really have to do much after that. In fact, on bigger planes, you can even go so far as straight up telling the plane where to go and letting it fly itself, and it just becomes a scenery simulator. That makes a lot of sense. And listener, if you don't know, you you probably do, because it's been all over the news. It's like, if you are reading gaming blogs, it's been the talk of the town, but Flight Sim 2020 uses bing map data and so it has the entire globe it's the whole it's the whole world that you can explore in so like we the other day we flew through salem which is my hometown 
We flew over my house. We flew over my high school. We flew over my community college. I basically did, didn't use the in-game map so much that I literally just like looked out the window and I actually followed the road to my home. It's, 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 it's so accurately rendered mm -hmm. that you can actually use visual landmarks the way you would in real life to be able to get back to where you were. And afterwards, Janelle took me to Roseburg, where she grew up, and same thing. You got to take yeah. me on a little walk, told me about all kinds of stuff in your town. What my favorite memory of Flight Sim is, is when we um, looked around the town that we live in together. Mm -hmm. And we explored our university and we found our apartment because when when Nolan's birthday came around, I got him a discovery flight. So he flew us up in a tiny little airplane. Oh my and God, it was incredible. We got to actually do that. And mm -hmm. it was obviously more detailed and a lot different than the game. But I knew exactly what to expect looking above our city because of that memory in the game. This is a little detail the listener might not care about, but I, I want to share it because I think it's cool that the plane that I flew up in specifically was a small Cessna 172 taking off out of Creswell Hobby Field, which is just a bit south of Eugene along the highway. And that Cessna 172's tail number was November 12274. That number's not meaningless because if you download an app like FlightAware, which, by the way, uh, incidentally, is the app data that Microsoft Flight Simulator uses to put real-time flight traffic into the game, but you can get it on your phone. It's available for free. You get an app like FlightAware and you type in N12274, and that C172 happens to be up in the air right now. You could track it. You could see where it goes. And when we came back from flying my my discovery flight that's the first thing i did i came home and i looked up that tail number and i actually saw in the flight log a tracking of the loop that we had just made yeah and it was um it was pretty remarkable you know i've been up in a plane before but never in the pilot seat and it's uh i i'm kind of at a loss for words thinking about it it's really really remarkable um it's not like driving a car. These things are responsive to your every touch. It's like, if you feel that when you drive a stick shift, you're connected to the machine, flying a small plane is an entirely different level of that feeling. And it's, uh, it's like inhumanly cool. You should do it. It costs like 150 bucks, something like that. Something like that. It's worth it. It's absolutely worth it. When I was a kid, my parents had a lot of friends who flew. So I was in this little program, I think in middle school, um, to learn how to fly a plane. And the program, this is just an aside, is run by Harrison Ford. Whoa. He owns it. He owns the company or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And then that led to me like actually taking some flight lessons, which was also really cool. And it was something I basically had forgotten about entirely until Nolan started getting into flight sim. And it's yeah. just been a lot of fun connecting in that really strange way so with the game itself i know i've been talking about flying real planes but that is because the game to a non-pilot like me to someone who's just been up there once feels pretty goddamn realistic there is a lot that you have to learn to be able to work with the most realistic flight model in that game and like do it well there's not a lot you have to learn to just get up in the air and move around but um 
in my opinion, playing Flight Sim 2020 is like the most hands-on crash course you can take to learn about aviation basics without having to pay to go fly a plane. Um, Yeah. When I got to the office for the flight lessons, I did not feel like any of the concepts, I mean, really any of them, except for one. There was one, and if you've ever been in a plane, you'll know what I'm talking about. There's a thing called an attitude meter on the dashboard where you they 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 call this thing keeping keeping the ball in the chamber you need to kind of coordinate the yaw of the plane with the roll angle so that you don't put the center of gravity out of whack i didn't know about that because you don't feel your center of gravity when you're flying in a video game but that aside everything else was basically it was like almost like learning how to use a different controller it was like i've done this i know what kind of ground speed I need to be moving at in order to start pitching the plane up to take off. I know when to move my flaps up and down. I know the difference between an aileron trim and a pitch trim, all these things. And, ah, man, I could go on and on. I'm just, it's astounding how good, how damn good that game is, not just as a scenery simulator flying around looking at places you know experiencing places you don't like i'm flying in norway right now i'm doing a bunch of bush pilot jobs out of bergen norway but just mechanically too flying a plane it's like a whole new hobby that you get to experience i am going to for as much of this podcast and future episodes as i can avoid talking about the pandemic but my one thing i'll let myself say about it is that i really miss being on an airplane yeah. I know it's a very, like, privileged thing to miss. There's a lot more important things happening right now that are, you know, at the center of my attention. But I do really miss going to airports. And you don't get to go in airports in Microsoft Flight Sim. Mm-mm. But you can see them. And you can go up and you can take... I've had Nolan take me a few times on the on the flight paths that I've taken the most in real life. Like... It's obviously not quite the same, but it's as close as we can get right now. And in the, um, oh my god, what's the documentary series called? Danny O'Dwyer. No clip. In the no clip documentary on it, he, Danny O'Dwyer talks a little bit about how he didn't get to go home this year, like most of us, and how he called his mom on the phone and flew to his hometown and said it was the closest he has gotten to being home. Oh, close. That was or, one of the programmers oops. at um, what the guy that was the head of the Flight Sim oh, project. Oh, shoot. That's embarrassing. However, no, no, it's okay, because that was Danny O'Dwyer introduced the whole topic and everything, but uh, that, that quote from the interview was from the developer. But, however, quite likely with Danny O'Dwyer, too, because in that same interview, that man um, whose name completely eludes me, and mm-hmm. I'm not going to go scrub through the video to find it but you can listen to it. it's a great video it's like 30 minutes long it's worth your time yeah um sub to no clip on patreon it's a good gig anyways that guy said in the interview that over 70 percent of players flew home for their first trip yeah which is a great stat however doesn't it make you wonder how do they know where they're I... flying was wondering that too. They're able to tell where they're flying, but they don't know where they're from. How do they know where home is? It, was it was it a sampled poll, or like when I fly to Salem, does some man in the Microsoft office go, "He's going home, boys"? Well, it's like, why else would he go to Salem, Oregon? 
what's this man doing in a suburb of Cincinnati, Ohio? He must be up to some shit. Have you seen Yes Man, the movie, with Bruce, uh... Oh my god, I forgot his name. It's not... It's Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey, yeah. What am I... Who am I saying? Bruce. I don't know, Bruce. Have you seen... Have you seen Yes Man with Bruce? You know what? If Yes Man did star Bruce Campbell... Wow. I'd be all about it. Yeah, I've seen Yes Man. I saw it in... I saw it in theaters. Do you not like Bruce Campbell? I don't know who that is. Really? Do I know who that is? Yeah, Ash from The Evil Dead. No. Nope. Uh, my name is Bruce. Uh, nope. The guy from Burn Notice. Nope. Um, the narrator in the Spider-Man GameCube and PS2 games. Nope. Really? Yeah. That's too bad. Listener, if you knew that Bruce Campbell was the narrator in the Spider-Man PS2 and GameCube game, and if you recognized his voice when you played the bowling minigame... If you remember in the tutorial when Bruce Campbell lets you do your thing and leaves the narration booth to go get a sandwich and you had your mind blown as a child because you'd never experienced fourth wall breaking comedy, props to you. If you haven't, um, I guess go play the Spider-Man PS2 and GameCube game. Yeah. But not important. I brought up Yes Man because there's that part in Yes Man where he goes to the board and there's the poster that advertises flight lessons and he takes it down. And he goes, and remember, he's, like, taking flight lessons, and then he's at this, like, community bulletin board, and he takes down basically, like, every single flyer, and he says yes to all of them. But the way it lines up is it ends up doing, like, DIY crafting, um, flight lessons, uh, learning how to speak Pashto, (laughs) and then taking a trip to fly out in this, like, random place in the middle of nowhere in Central America, and he gets, not, sorry, I mean, like, the center of the united states not central the america midwest. the midwest yes um <laughs> center america if you will and he gets flagged by the fbi because they're like what are you doing taking flight lessons learning an arabic language and learning how to craft appliances in your home and oh he's, no he's clearly a a bomber it's great it's a it's a decent movie how can you remember anything from that movie do you not? You don't remember, like, the cool... Um... I saw it when it was in theaters. I did, too, but I saw it, like, four times. I did not. We had the DVD. I loved Yes Man. I, I mean, I, I think Yes Man is, is... is I don't know if it holds up in 2020. I really don't. But when I was a kid, it was the funniest thing ever. That part when Jim Carrey wraps the clear scotch tape all around his head and it looks like he has a pig nose. It's top tier, man. It's top tier. Top tier. Look, I had bad taste in comedy when I was a kid. The kind of movies that my family showed me, we we watched, like, we've probably seen Christmas Vacation ten times, you know? Um, when you're, when we were on a, um, I, I was going to say Zoom call, but then that wasn't right, and I was going to say Face call. Uh, okay. When we were on a, a video call with your mom, she told us to watch that movie for Christmas. Yeah. And I thought... No, I hate that movie. I hate it's, that movie. But you can't thing. say that you had bad taste in comedy as a kid because you were a kid. You had bad yeah, taste right. in everything. And and to be fair, I had some some I had some great comedy movies I watched when I was a kid. I watched The Naked Gun. Love The Naked Gun. Classic. You guys ever seen Airplane? Classic. Great. You ever seen Blazing Saddles? Haven't. Yeah. But classic. Um. Now. Back to Flight Sim, I guess. I suppose there's not really too much more to say about it, except that it's really damn good. And um, I, w- I would like to talk about a, a couple of the downsides, though, um, before we move on, because this podcast doesn't have a goddamn time limit, and we can do that now. Yeah. 
I think that I am occasionally discouraged from playing Flight Sim by the amount of setup that it requires and the load times. By setup, do you mean like the end game setup or how you use programs to try to make it more realistic? Well, I guess part of that is my own issue. Um, You can play Flight Sim vanilla just with a Xbox controller plugged into your computer. Um, it, it works. That's how I played the game for the first three or four days that I had it. But I also have a Thrustmaster HOTIS, which is like a throttle and joystick that I plugged in, and I actually use that for flying now. That is a much, much, much better way to play the game. However, it is hard to have the space on your desk to make that work comfortably. Um, It's a little bit finicky because a lot of these things, they have like preset buttons or button remap buttons or even mode switches. Like my, I guess it's called a HOTIS, not an H-O-T-A-S. I'm not really one of these people that knows. I'll call it a HOTIS. HOTIS. That HOTIS thing. That HOTIS, that sounds like a, like HOTIS? a, sounds like an adjective. That HOTIS thing. A HOTIS thing. Yeah, that HOTIS thing has a button on the front that toggles between green and red and has a little house icon next to it. I don't know what the hell that button does, but if it's not set to green, my game doesn't work right. So I can bump that with my palm. That gets in the way. There's a button on the side that says preset. It's next to a button that says mapping. Both of them don't have any kind of indicator of what they do, but they do change all of your controls if you bump them. And it's really hard to figure out how to change them back. (laughs) There's a switch on the back that toggles it between PC and PS3. If you turn the PS3 switch on, or if you accidentally have that one on when you plug it in, the whole thing doesn't function. It changes the drivers it tries to work with. It's all kinds of messy. Um, Sometimes it remaps buttons that I didn't ever do anything to remap, and it makes those buttons affect things like my pitch, making the plane just randomly point straight up when I'm trying to take off and literally make my tail drag along the ground. I think I lost like 30 minutes of playtime last night because I couldn't figure out why my plane kept pointing straight up and I had to shove the stick downwards to stay straight. All kinds of stuff like that. (laughs) Um, And that is, I know, an issue with my particular HOTUS, but the the thing is this game, to get the full experience, it requires peripherals. So you're going to end up with something like that no matter who you are. And also, when you load this thing up, it's an event, man. You take a short flight. That thing takes probably an hour between oh everything God. you do and to... And you don't have a bad computer. No. It might not um, be like 2020 brand new, but I'm like not... it's like a good computer. Well, I'm not talking about loading. I'm talking about like if you are flying a short, you know, I'm saying, I'm doing air quotes. You can't see I'm doing air quotes. A short flight from like Eugene to Salem, you know. Uh, that is still, like, over an hour of flying. And if you do something, mm. like, less than that, it's going to feel like you didn't really get your, your time's worth because to load the game takes sometimes, like, ten minutes. That's he's not. And, that's not well, true. No, it takes longer it, always. Well, if there's updates. The updates, because Microsoft is, is they're, they're, they're doing, like, a lot of work on this game, Asobo and Xbox Game Studios. So if you don't play it for a few days, you launch it up and there's like a 17 gig update and the game has to do that download inside of the game. Like you can't just set 
the Xbox app to download the update, you have to like launch the game and then it runs it while you're waiting. So mm-hmm. it is slower than it should be, basically. Um, and sometimes, man, if you like, I could see someone not playing the game for several months and loading it up and having like 130 gigs to download and just being like, well, I guess I'm never playing this again. So <laughs> that's a bit of a problem. It ends up being more like a lifestyle game. You kind of need to yeah. be like, you kind of need to be like, I really like flying. I'm going to not consider this like a game that you just throw on and play, but think of it in the opposite direction. Think of it relative to how much easier it is to play Flight Sim than it is to go fly a single engine like piston airplane. You know, Mm -hmm. if you think of it relative to how easy it is to start up like a game like Train Sim, I guess, which is really easy to play, then you're going to have a bad time. So that's that's probably the, the one main issue with that game Uh, but when it works it works it's also just kind of like prone to crashing that's kind of a thing too but again it's the whole earth so (laughs) give it some leeway man it's got the whole globe you can go anywhere if you have some roadblocks you got you got too high standards you know that's all i'm saying that's all you're saying that's all i'm saying so it sounds it sounds like if you play that game with coffee, your coffee will get cold. Oh man, yeah. Start making your coffee once you're like in on the runway. You yeah, know? that's what I'm. There, nobody will get in your way when you're preparing to take off. But once you're up in the air, straight and level flying, the game is pure bliss. Um, shout out also to Train Sim World, which is just <laughs> way easier to play, uh, and trains are great. Trains are great. Trains are pretty cool. Okay, I think that I've exhausted Flight Sim. Are you ready to talk about yours, or do you do not feel it yet? Well, mine isn't a video game. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, let's talk about it. Well, I do have a couple small video games I okay. will talk about. Okay. Um, But when I was thinking about how I enjoy my mornings drinking coffee with video games, it wasn't playing video games. Really? No. Normally, I'm sleepy. I'm getting old. 24. I'm getting old. I just <laughs> okay. want to curl up. So, for me, it's a very personal one, but I'm going to extend it to make it a little bit more friendly to everybody. It's watching you play video games. Oh. That is my coffee game. It's sitting back and watching you play something like Dragon Quest Eleven with that really soft music. Mm-hmm. Or, um, Great game. an extension of that would be watching not Let's Plays. I hate those. But, like youtube essays about video games who can we, can we quickly like run like just an off-the-cuff list of the best in that arena because that yeah i wanted to do that. that that comprises a pretty damn substantial amount of what we do with our tv screen yeah that's <laughs> that was the plan yeah okay yeah um jacob geller is Great. the is the most recent one I have been really into. These are yeah. all thanks to Nolan, by the way. He introduces me to all of the things that I like. I don't. I'm, I think I genuinely must have been like a, a block before I met him. I don't <laughs> know what the fuck I did before. Oh, I'm sure you did all kinds of things. You just don't remember. I watched League of Legends while I played, while I made breakfast every morning. But I don't like that game. Never have. Just sort of like background noise, yeah. filler. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm kind of like obsessed with video essays. Yeah, I video kinda, essays I love them. have become like how, like you said, like yeah. how we use our screen. Okay, so Jacob Geller mm-hmm. is probably the most 
I say the highest quality produced video essays in terms of like pacing and scripting and production value. I mean, he's like the philosophy tube of video game yeah. essays. And he talks about things like architect, like he'll start with a video game, but he'll jump out and he ends up talking about like architecture and city plan. Those are his two big things, architecture and city planning. Um, philosophy, old literature, like 19th century artwork, all this stuff. It's, it's, it's great. Who else? Uh, Noah Caldwell-Gervais. Shout out to Noah Caldwell-Gervais for being the person that at least I most list, like, trust their opinion. Like, if he finds something of quality in a game, I'm like, I'll pay attention to that game now. You have interviewed the guy. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about what his work is like? Yeah, Noah, so Noah Gervais is, is my personal favorite video game YouTube channel. Um, he does these really long form videos about games, but they're sort of in this lo-fi fireside chat, like late night radio style, Mm -hmm. um, where you're just kind of hanging out next to the fire while Noah tells you in depth about what he's been playing as of late. And it works. It doesn't seem like meandering rambles because I would say Noah Gervais, in my opinion, has the single sharpest critical eye and critical voice in his field. Mm-hmm. Um, he cuts to the core not just of why games work, but what they mean and why it's important that we pay attention to what they mean. It's remarkable stuff, but the other element to this is that he is really into travel literature. So I'm struggling to think of several of the author's names. The one that comes to mind is William Least Heat Moon, who back in the 70s and, you know, all the way up until relatively recently was writing these these really great, wonderful books like Blue Highways. Incredible book. Uh, yeah, I actually read that one out loud to you. Yeah. It's a great book. Uh, where he travels around the whole U.S. and sort of just does the... Um, david foster wallace thing you know the david foster wallace thing is where you sort of isolate something small and you derive a great deal of meaning from it by applying that human experience outwards and extrapolating like how it reflects people's lives so uh for example in blue highways you know he'll come across like somebody paragliding and he'll use that to talk about like the way that people balance hobbies with work life but also the idea that these people are trying to go off the ground and this pursuit of being up in the clouds knowing that they're gliding down and it's always temporary all these things you know it's it it can sound a little pretentious but it works when you're there and noah gervais combines that sort of style of hyper attentiveness to detail and their meaning um, and a sense of travel and a sense of journey in place and applies it to his analysis of video games which means that he is the best guy to talk about things like RPGs, anything with an open world, anything with a sense of journey to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he also makes travel videos. He also does his own road trips. Yeah. And records them and does the same thing pretty he, goddamn well. He visited the locations from the first two Fallout games. Yeah. Uh, well, the, and, well, the re- and, and New Vegas, too. The real life equivalents. Yes. And the cases where mm-hmm. the ones in the game weren't real and... That's how Nolan got me on him, and those videos are incredible. Yeah. Um, one of his absolute greatest videos uh, is actually not about a game at all. It's called Desert Bus, 
a southwestern ramble um wherein he uses footage and anecdotes from a road trip he took in an old vw bus with his uh i, I believe then girlfriend now wife kira and that's not her name it's not her name what no. is it okay Chris- I'll find out, but that's not her name. His then-girlfriend, now-wife, whose name shall be mentioned later. Uh, and he talks about that trip, but he uses it to talk about not Kendall. just the trip. It's Kendall. Kendall. Not just the trip that he talks about, but also the way that... Um, this is a bit of a weird comparison, but also the way that traveling in real life, if you pay enough attention and are willing to go down the lesbian path, actually does reflect the structure and cadence of a good open world game um which was uh it's like a really it's one of those observations that seems obvious once it's made but it's made beautifully um you got me started about my favorite guy i got rambling about it i won't i won't go too much longer but i really really adore him this is the infinite podcast yeah I um, wait. We you said two. Do you, you have any more you wanted to? Bring I do, up? but really okay. quick. I think the thing I like the most about him, if I can ramble a little bit mm-hmm. too, is that please. When Nolan interviewed him for a piece that Nolan wrote in the Willamette Week, they mm-hmm. did like a Zoom call, and I was just like in bed near the desk. Nolan was at just chilling, playing Animal Crossing the whole time, listening in. It was like my own little like talk show. It was really cool. <laughs> He's like the most humble guy. Yeah. Ever. He seems very genuine, and he, I, I love that despite his huge following, he seemed really shy and happy that a journalist had reached out to him. Yeah, and I just really admired that a lot. So me too. Yeah, really. It was cool funny because he was he was you know he's like an idol of mine in terms of he he does what I want to do, and um, when I got to interview him, I was like starstruck because I'm thinking like I'm talking to Noah Gervais, and he you know. And he was saying, like, that he felt like his importance had been elevated because he's talking to a journalist. And I was like, this is, this is ridiculous. That's we're, amazing. We're so, we're so backwards here. Um, I, I mentioned Noclip. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to talk about them too much because okay. I'm like a newer Noclip fan. Yeah. But I love documentaries and video game documentaries are extra cool. Oh, yeah. We saw them live at PAX last year before the times we did they talked about like back behind the scenes production stories and stuff yeah yeah um they do a a bunch of different things so i'm not gonna like just like go watch their videos they have a really incredible final fantasy 14 yeah one that i love probably in my opinion probably their best documentary yeah i think yeah from what i've seen Yeah. yeah um and i'll quickly mention my other person who i realized i did lie about the let's play thing but this is the one exception (laughs) In college, I study history with my minor in classical civilizations, and many a true nerd studied classics at Oxford. So he combines, this isn't for all of his videos, sometimes he just like plays video games, but when he plays historical games or games like Civ or Crusader Kings, he brings a lot of his knowledge of classics into it, which I really love. Um, That is the perfect way to get to my heart if you combine history with video games. And, like, he's just a really funny, really charming guy. He doesn't, like, cuss on his videos, really. So he keeps them pretty friendly to everybody. He does a lot of work with his, I think, I think she's his wife. I don't know. They won't say. <laughs> and they're, they're, they're both... Little, they're a little coy about it, to, to use a British word. They're like both he would. just really charming. And their videos are really fun. So if you want to watch, like, 
a funny British guy play House Flipper, you should go check him out. He also has an encyclopedic, off-the-cuff knowledge of all things related to the 3D Fallout games. And And the originals. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, I have seen him go really deep on the 3D ones. I'm I'm happy to hear he's gone the full gamut there, but um he's like the guy who would know anything about Fallout mechanics. I mean, down yeah. down to like the way that the numbers work behind the scenes is crazy. Bethesda invited him to play Fallout 76 before it came yeah. out. Um he got famous for his work. I think Kotaku or somebody posted an article about him a few years ago because he was doing a you only live once run with fallout 3 and all of the dlc which is like one of i know that we said like let's plays are not good but i think that is one of the best of that type of genre yeah it's really good he, he basically like plays all of fallout 3 um on one life which in of itself is not that impressive however he has a rule against healing in fact even when he levels up he doesn't take the extra health that comes in the level up. He separately, on paper, keeps track of the numbers by himself. So essentially, it's not just Fallout 3 on one life. It's Fallout 3 where you basically can't take any damage. Which, you know that game is not that... It's kind of like... It's got bad shooting mechanics. So that doesn't just require being good at a shooter. This ain't Quake. You can't dodge bullets. It's all RNG. It's ray casting. You basically just need to like know that game in and out like your own back of your hand, and he does. Yeah, and spoiler alert, he beats it and all of the DLC. Yeah. Which is incredible. Um, He's doing one right now for Fallout 4. I haven't seen any of it. Same. But Fallout 4 has auto health regen, so I'm curious about how he is going to take that into account. He also doesn't have tick marks on the HP marker. Yeah. It's they're like it's like a solid line, so it might be harder for him to. Yeah. I suppose you could go into the pit boy each time and take the numbers down. It probably. I'm sure that's it. Yeah. But yeah. So, coffee games for me. Other than I've thought of some games actually, but are mostly enjoying the experience of video games without picking up my controller and letting go of my coffee. Yeah. Which I know is kind of cheating. No, that makes perfect sense. But it's the coziest thing in my life. Yeah. So. And we play a lot of games that way. Um, that's not unusual for us. We play a lot of single-player games, uh, taking turns. Um, we've played Bloodborne. We played... Mm-hmm. Well, I played MGS3, uh, but you watched... I played parts of MGS3. Yeah, that, that's true. What that's the true. heck? Well, I'm just saying, like, I'm, you know, like, mostly... Mostly you wanted to watch is we what I'm getting at. We have played the entire Yakuza series together. Oh, well, off. we're almost finished with six. Yes, yes. We're getting close. We're really close. We haven't even bought seven yet, which is insane for us. Well, okay, I'm really loving this segment that just kind of fell into our laps about shouting out good creators. Um, it would be remiss of me if we did not at least say the name Tim Rogers. Oh my god, he was gonna <laughs> be my he was gonna be my last one, and I forgot. Yeah, please. yeah, yeah. Tim Rogers is <laughs> Nolan and I are. The worst. If you know anything about Tim Rogers, you either really love his work or find him really annoying. I know people who hate him. People hate him because they think he's really arrogant and maybe he is. But the other night we were watching his latest video. It was a review on Pac-Man. And at one point we paused it and it's like three o'clock in the morning while we're watching it. And we're just like talking about him like, like two teenage girls talking about like a rock star. And we should say... Really quick for the record, when she says his review of Pac-Man, 
his reviews are like feature films. Tim Rogers' review of Pac-Man is three hours long. Yeah. And we were watching it as a YouTube premiere, so it didn't actually have a timeline. We didn't know how long the video was. It just, it just like, kept going. It was wonderful. Sorry. Yeah. Um, just, I remember at one point trying to find a way to, to form the words to say that I think that Tim Rogers has transcended humanity. Oh, no. In his reviews. It was really, it was bullshit. But he's incredible. And he, mm-hmm. um, I don't know how personal I wanted to get on this podcast, but when Nolan and I, on our first date, we, I think like the, the one, the number one thing that really like got us excited about each other was talking about games journalists that we like. Yeah. And Tim Rogers. So I attribute my relationship to Tim Rogers and Jason Schreier. And, um, so thanks Tim. And like hyperbole aside as to what this, this guy does, um, basically the draw is that, uh, Tim Rogers will take a game or like a concept or whatever. He'll make these videos that are like these huge, um, multi-layered productions. His, Video about Doom, for example, is also about three hours long. I think it's like three and a half hours long, actually. It's, yeah, that one's really it's long. huge. And he goes a step further than reviewing a game. He, in my opinion, is almost making this archival gallery-esque art tribute to the game where his video about Doom will more with more depth than any anything else will analyze the mechanics and the workings of the game but it will also tell you stories about growing up in the 80s about having a father in the military about his relationship with his brother about moving out of his hometown of indianapolis indiana out to new york about times in his life and the cycles of nostalgia and the way that we mature and the way that our taste in media changes and how certain things can trigger different parts of ourselves to come back and it's like an experience more than it is an informative thing it's like you're there to just be in this man's mind for a few hours and see the world the way he does and the way he does is like he sees importance in these insanely minor things i mean there's like a 25 to 30 minute segment of the pac-man video where he asserts that this little known completely obscure um arcade game that never made it out of japan about two chevron arrows with a line between them wrapping around pegs is the true sequel to (laughs) Pac-Man and that it was years ahead of its time. And it doesn't feel like a joke. It like inspired actual emotions in me before it was over. It's amazing. The official snail town review of Tim Rogers is that Tim Rogers is the Hideo Kojima of video game reviews. reviews. That's right. Yeah. He's, a plus. Yeah. We we like him a lot. You want to talk about a video game? Yeah, I want to talk about a video game. I, I hope people don't think we're just like fawning over people we like because we're annoying. Maybe. But no, I, I, I would just like content creators a lot. I would hope that more than that, that this kind of format for a podcast episode is a, is a good way 
for us to shout out stuff that we think is worth people paying attention to. Yeah. Um, heck, you said that the, what what is that podcast that the McElroy uh, dude has about his, him and his wife talking about things they like? Wonderful. Yeah. It's by Griffin and Rachel McElroy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, that's another shout out to a podcast that's good, you know? There's something nice about people talking about things they like. There's a lot of negativity in the world of people talking about yeah. video games. There's a whole lot of these big hour-long videos where someone says why a game is the worst thing ever. Positivity is good. So, you want to talk about some video games? Yeah. Let me ask you. Did you have any other ones? I do. You do? Yeah. Can we hear some of yours again? Yeah. Um, I am only going to talk about this one for a minute because this it came out this year and people talk about it all the time but if i'm objectively thinking about what my mornings are like before work or um, i struggle really badly with anxiety so there are a lot of nights where i have to just kind of like put myself in bed and not really do anything and i'll load up animal crossing and even if it doesn't have the same exciting gameplay (laughs) animal crossing's exciting gameplay (laughs) even if it doesn't have that like new factor that it did back in march when it came out i find it really soothing still to pick my fruit and to talk to my friends in that game and to dress up my cute little pink-haired character. And that just is cozy to me. Like I said, I don't want to spend much time talking about it at all because everybody has talked about Animal Crossing this year. Um, But it was my first one in the series, New Horizons was. And it's just really comfy to me. I'm the only person I know who still plays it. (laughs) (laughs) But um, my other thing, and I don't think you have as much experience in this as I do. Okay. MMOs. Oh, yeah. Just as in general? A, as a genre for enjoying coffee with. Okay. Not so much playing an MMO. Yeah, I was say, not when as, you're like in a boss battle. But like if you're in a main city in yeah. Final Fantasy fourteen and you go into the main hub, like the main city hub, and you'll just see tons of people chatting with each other. Yeah. Or in the Lord of the Rings online, you can go into the Prancing Pony in Bree, you know, with the infamous scene from the movies. Infamous isn't the word i'm looking for the famous everybody hates the first scene you see aragorn (laughs) god fuck that guy um no but if you go on roleplay servers it's not like roleplay in the way that people associate with like wow it's just people who go in there and like play music and get bands together there are like actual traveling bands who are like well known in the community (laughs) and they'll just like go into the inn and people will roleplay in character and it's really charming and it's just I just like watching people have fun, and I know that sounds yeah. stupid, but I think when I was younger, I had a hard time taking things like that very seriously, and I was embarrassed, mostly, by things like role-playing, but I think it's awesome now, and I really like just watching people fully put themselves into it. It's really cool. You know, I think that MMOs don't have the luxury that single-player RPG games do of being able to construct a map of one-off locations um but they necessarily need to have places that can sustain like a hundred hours of play because if you have a faction or a guild you're going to be hanging out in the same space a lot you're going to be coming back there for basically for everything um at least in the ones that i've played which Mm -hmm. is which is like final fantasy 14 and i guess i played a little bit of runescape one time um listener uh I have a confession. I, I think RuneScape's kind of kind of boring. I think so too. I think RuneScape kind of, I think it kind of sucks. What about 2007's game? I think so that just I think that one's also not that great. 
Um, like respect to you if you like it. I don't get it though. RuneScape fans are like um, Kingdom Hearts fans. That's another series that I'm like, hey, I. They terrify me. No, I'm like, I love that you love Kingdom Hearts so much. I love that for you. I don't get. I don't like that clown shoe boy. Nope. I don't like. I like Donald Duck and Mickey Mouse. No goof. But well, I like Goofy. Goofy's lower tier than oh, the two trust of them, me. Um, I know. In my opinion, I know about it. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, what I was trying to say is that because of that, these these MMOs make towns that just have the highest tier hangout potential. They got some serious hangout potential because not only do you got to make a place that is appealing to just be in and hang out in, but they got to accommodate a lot of things because like if a player starts, if there's like three or four player starting towns, all of them have to have like, you know, several guilds and every type of accommodation and facility. And they got to have music that you don't get annoyed with. So yeah, I agree with you. Gridania uh, in Final Fantasy fourteen. that's my second where I live place. I love that place. Wow has my favorite Which areas. Town? Well, you can't live anywhere in that game. Oh, no, I'm not. I, I know. I don't live in Gridania I know, in the I game, know. but I live in there in well, my Well, you heart. can get a house in that game. Oh, yeah. It wouldn't be in Gridania. It would be in... Uh, the the shroud but yes yeah yeah, yeah i know <laughs> <laughs> if you want to get specific if you want to get specific yeah. um i'm an absolute piss baby and i love the main city for the alliance why does that make you bad be- what's wrong with it i don't know what's wrong <laughs> with it but my friends resent people that people have some beef with that town people like the horde better because they're stinky the people or the horde are stinky both oh okay um that clears that up actually for not this expansion that just came out that i'm dying to play but the one that came out before that i don't remember what the town is called because i suck but there's this little town in the forest that is kind of haunted and it's really spooky and it's the Mm. prettiest place in that game and it has the best music and all of world of warcraft and i love it with all my heart Best music in Final Fantasy XIV, Central Shroud. You heard it here first, folks. It's the best overworld theme in a video game. The World of Warcraft Cataclysm login music. Oh. It's a bop. I bet that's good. Final Fantasy XIV is guilty of each expansion making the login music like more and more hype and high octane, which, I mean, come on, Square. It's just not, it's not why I'm playing your game, man. I mean, if I wanted to play a really fun battle, I wouldn't, I'm not there to hit one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, four, five, seven, three, four, five, one on my keyboard. Okay, people make fun of MMO <laughs> combat a lot, but also like turn-based combat for some reason. So I don't want to hear it because you actually have to use your brain and think with MMO combat. I, I, uh, I am actually, I am actually joking, I know. by the way. I play a bard in Final Fantasy fourteen. I love Final Fantasy XIV. I love the combat in Final Fantasy XIV. I think it's a fantastic game. I think the combat's very fun. I'm just saying, Final Fantasy is ethereal and otherworldly, and it's moody and relaxing and nice. Yeah. And I don't get that excited for the hype-up battle themes. I'm there for, like, the nice, relaxing, you know, 
harp music and stuff. I think that's because we don't do raids and stuff. I guess. Would I like it if I did a raid? Is that what you're saying? I think that people who are really into that aspect of MMOs are more into the hype beast part of MMOs. Yeah, that that makes sense. I've never heard anyone describe anything MMO related as hype beast. Yep, neither um, have I. I, I like it. I love, like, like imagine if you could put a little Supreme hat on your character in Aww. FF14. Aw, on your little onion guy? On your little onion boy? With, yeah. like, a, with like a, one, of those, one of those, like, pairs of sweatpants that has, like, the crown going Ew. down the side. Like, that little, little strip yeah. design on the side. What, what, if, what if Final Fantasy XIV, but all of the customization was replaced with the apparel in Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2 HD? Whoa! <laughs> Crash Bandicoot and everything? Yeah, the Wampa Wear hats? Yeah. Listener, did you know that there's a brand of clothing in Tony Hawk Pro Skater called Wampa Wear with Crash on it? We found that out last night. It's made by the same people that did the uh, nitro-fueled Crash Team Racing game. That's why. There's your little piece of games trivia for the night. What's your next one? My next one. Okay. My next one is a category. Okay. However, I will not harp on too long about this category. But um, I'm going to say that a really, really excellent way to enjoy your coffee with a video game is with visual novels. Oh, yeah. Because um, I was quite put off by visual novels for a very long time. Um, because, to be quite honest, uh, you know, you boot up a game to play a game. Yeah. And visual novels are mostly reading uh listener you probably know that a lot of visual novels have some kind of mechanic built into them like choosing dialogue or like applying character stats like a game like long live the queen where you're sort of scheduling your day out that's a great game by the way not a not a coffee game that game is very stressful but (laughs) good game though you know where you're doling stats out or whatever and making choices and you could just die at any turn that's kind of the whole thing but i'm talking games like for one, Valhalla, Your, I like, think. favorite game, basically. Yes, where I think that the two games that opened me up to visual novels, um, first it was, uh, I don't remember which came first, actually, but it was right at the same time in the same year I played Valhalla and I played Steins Gate Zero. Mm. Um, and those two games really, really opened my eyes to how strong those experiences can be. It is sort of like reading a book, uh, not so much with Valhalla, more so with Steins Gate Zero. It's a lot like reading a really long book. That game took me, I think, 62 or 63 hours, uh, but I platinumed it. You know, I got, I got every ending, the true ending, but that took about 60 hours. Wow. Um, so it's, it's big. It's like reading a big book. It's like reading a Moby Dick type of book. Maybe even longer, actually. Steins Gate is the Moby Dick of video games. No, that's MGS5. That's different. But... um. And uh, they're they're good and they're they're very relaxing and if you allow yourself to get invested in the story, um, your imagination will fill in all the blanks. You know, I was put off by the idea of looking at static character portraits and uh, static backgrounds for a long time since I played games that don't do that. But it sort of stops mattering. You know, your 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 brain fills in the gaps. Like in Valhalla, you're just looking at a couple people, um, couple character sprites at a bar. But the more you play it, the more you're imagining them picking up and putting down their glass. The more you're seeing them turn their heads and talk to the person next to them. You're seeing Jill polish a glass. You know, it's not happening on screen, but you've been there long enough. You know in your mind where this scene is. You have a sense of place for it. Um, And there's some great stories that traditional video games 
um, need to contend with like mixing narratives and mechanics together, right? Which makes for better games, uh, which is why visual novels are niche. But with a complete focus on narrative and kind of the freedom that games give, you don't have to create something that I don't really know how to describe this. Games have a different kind of sense of creativity than a lot of other mediums because they like to get weird. Yeah. Um, there is a, a lot of freedom in those stories and the way they're told. That's just, it's just very interesting. I think visual novels get a bad rep because when you say visual novel, a lot of people assume it's going to be an anime dating simulator. Yes, I agree. Um, I know I just said dating sim is like the expectation. I genuinely think that Hey Tofu Boyfriend is a good video game <laughs> with a really interesting narrative. Yeah. Yeah. This game gets weird. The game does yeah. get really weird. But yeah, I, I, I like that category. Yeah, and and, and I'll say I, I don't want to... Um, these, I, in my opinion, the games that I think stand out the most as visual novels are ones that would, would deserve like a, a more of an episode or half an episode or whatever, so I won't talk about them for too long, but... My recommendations, I have three. If you're interested in playing visual novels for the first time, you haven't done it. Steins Gate, the first one, not Zero, um, is probably, in my opinion, I think Steins Gate is the best visual novel that that you can play. It's just, it's just that good. Um, I won't spoil anything about it except to say that if you liked uh, in games like Dragon Age or Mass Effect where you can spend, you know dozens of minutes just pouring over codex entries and learning in in minute intricate detail about how every person place and thing in the world functions and connects that is the experience of steins gate on a on a full game scale um the second one would be valhalla again which is like a coffee game if you take it in episodes almost that game is broken up into days of work so you could sit down with a cup of coffee like i did play one or two days of work in the game and then call it good and play it over the course of a couple weeks it's like watching an episode of your favorite show it's great it's like it's like cyberpunk cheers i guess hell yeah um we're probably gonna have a full episode on that game i, I imagine would, i would hope so you love that game it just came out on game pass and i just yep. downloaded it so i'm gonna play it i've this got week. in this house i've got my valhalla plush my valhalla poster my valhalla cup my coaster. valhalla coaster yeah oh that rhymed oh yeah um, and then last but not least, um, there's a game uh, that I think is is a lot less well-known than the previous two mentioned here uh, called 428 Shibuya Scramble, which is unique because it's actually a live-action visual novel, uh, which is to say it's like a, it's photos. It's like real-life photos of actors posing. Um, but if you look into the way it's made, it turns out they're not just posing. They actually did act out the entire scenes. Um, and then, like, highlight photos are the way that they're conveyed in the game. Um, oh, that's cool. It sounds, uh, and I, I agree with anyone who thinks this, because I thought it too, it sounds like it would suck. That sounds like the kind of thing you find on the back page of itch.io, uh, but it's actually really, really, really well done. Um, if you're interested in theater at all um one thing you'll notice is that this game gives you a great opportunity to like see some theatrical style acting obviously because they're posed photos they have to be a lot more exaggerated than they would with film so it just basically is a game with this vibe of like a whole bunch of actors and a, and a crew having a 
shitload of fun uh filming on location and it's just this like crazy weird story that has like criminal conspiracy and uh, assassins and gang rivalries and you know mistaken identity and you know like there's like i don't know man I'm, i don't even know what to say just it's it's great uh and it, it it truly in my opinion as someone who spent a good deal of time in shibuya uh does capture kind of the essence of that city um and it's like breakneck whiplash pace um which does reflect the reality that shibuya is one of the most populous one of the most busy most varied uh metropolitan places on earth yeah. And that game is is silly and over the top, but it like you it was it's all filmed on location in Shibuya. Every street, every shot is a real place. Um you you could go there if you wanted and you uh you should. Shibuya Shibuya rules. You should go to Shibuya. After and, and drink yeah. drink coffee in Shibuya. Maybe play Steins Gate on your Vita in Shibuya. It's a real that's that's the coffee game experience right there. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any other games? E, do you think that we should talk about more or should we call it? Because I have a couple more if you want to. I want to hear them. Okay. Before um, I talk about these last couple of games, let me ask you. How is that coffee? You're finished with it now. What do you think? I am finished with it now. I don't know if this is just a matter of all French press is doing this or if it's the way we grind our coffee. But I don't like how at the bottom of my cup it gets a bunch of sandy sediment. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's our fault. Really? We we have a kind of low quality French press. Listener, you might remember that we broke two of them. So we have kind of like a cheap Starbucks one it's now. It's actually the same price in brand as our good one. Really? But oh, I What a ripoff. I know, right? It's got um these floppy rubber edges that are supposed to kind of seal the plunger against the side of the press, but they're really they're really um floppy so they don't do that grounds come up all the time and gets in the way whereas like if you have a good french press it's got sort of this like spring coil on the outside that pushes like kind of like a like a mesh like a metal mesh uh all the way against the cup so it's like totally gripping um it works better we we we, we try and mitigate this one's issues by like pouring through a strainer <laughs> yeah but it's really it's kind of it doesn't always get mm-hmm. everything also we drink our coffee black so by the time it gets cold that's rough you know, I'm kind of weird. I, I don't really mind. Uh, it's better when it's hot, obviously. Yeah. But sometimes I'm down to the bottom, that nice but cold little refreshing bit of coffee on you it. You never order iced coffee with me. Mm. Even like during the summer. Yeah, 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 this I, guy's I, nuts. Even like in the middle of summer, we'll go get coffee and he'll just still get hot coffee. I like cold brew. I don't like iced coffee. Okay. Yeah. But you know what I meant? Yeah, Even I do. still, you'll always get hot coffee <laughs> over cold brew. It's true. Um, it's almost by instinct in a way. I just go up and order hot coffee, like because I am almost never, I'm just about never in the mood for um, cold brew, even though I like it. I'm like that with a lot of things. Like I, I enjoy horror movies. I think that they're fun. Um, I am never in the mood to watch a horror thing. I just sometimes go. I agree to them, and then I end up liking them. But I'm never yeah. like I really want to get scared right now. You know. That's being scared is my favorite genre of life um it's to negate the actual anxiety i have yeah it's like a <laughs> that's a joke but um so i'm always in the mood to do something spooky and i can tell that nolan's never he'll say yes but he's not into it for it, well, a bit and then he'll get into it but there's always that little bit where i'm like 
fuck. I like a I like a good horror movie. It's just I'm not like I I don't want to say I'm not easily scared. I'm just not um Yeah, uh, I don't know. I think that maybe I just consume a lot of media. So there's like a detachment when I start a horror movie. I'm really interested in movies partially for like how they're made and just looking at like the way things are shot and stuff and if you um pay too much attention to a horror movie uh or think of it in the wrong way it doesn't end up being scary it ends I up being agree. it ends up being interesting but not scary um my curse is that i don't really get scared by horror movies at all ever so i can relate to that or most horror games i hope we eventually have like a spooky games episode where we can talk about silent hill because what does end up working for me which is why i'm always trying to find this is an unsettling mood more than a monster or like a killer or something um i know this is a tangent now but we found this video was it jacob geller did he make that one video that freaked me out? Mm. About, no. You're talking about the one that was about like an empty multiplayer map? Yeah. Yeah, that was Nitro Rad. Oh, yeah. yeah. That scared the shit out of me. I'm really freaked out by video game things that aren't correct in the way that they should be. So like a multiplayer level that's completely empty. Mm-hmm. Um, Except for PT, Silent Hills, scares the shit out of me. Yeah. So there is that one, I guess. You know, I do like horror games. Um, horror games are cool. I like Dead Space a lot. I love Resident Evil. Oh my god. I just made a... I didn't make it yet. I wrote and recorded a pretty meaty video about Resident Evil Remake, which I think is one of the greatest games of the sixth generation. Um, stay tuned for that. Uh, I won't tell you why, because I want you to watch my video, and I don't want to poach my own viewers, man, so get off my back. I will talk about, however, uh, one of our last couple coffee games to get back to the episode theme here about things that are just really darn relaxing, like a big cozy <laughs> like, blanket. Like not horror wrapped games. Around, uh, not horror games at all. Um, you can probably guess what it is. You want, you want to guess? I was playing it today. Dragon Quest Eleven. Dragon Quest Eleven, I think, is a great game. Dragon Quest games, and this is not, you know, my original take here uh, to kind of circle back and reference Tim Rogers again. He actually has a great Dragon Quest Eleven review up on Kotaku where he talks about this, uh, how Dragon Quest games are familiar in an intentional way and he he almost compares dragon quest games to sitting down with a friend you haven't seen in several years catching up because this game came out in 2018 but it's really like a souped up ps2 game you know it's um it's it's a classic jrpg and if that genre just rather than change just refined you know it's Mm. got the probably the best version of any like 90s role-playing game mechanic uh and just full of quality of life upgrades and with with all the fluff trimmed off it is not a late 2010s reinvention of an rpg which in that way means that the dragon quest games frequently envelop you in comforting stories 
uh, get your brain working just enough to be enjoyed, like somebody reading a book to you. Um, they don't necessarily attempt to surprise you or catch you off guard. So that might sound like a bad thing, but it's really not. They're just a great way to kill time. And it's like ordering I love them. your favorite dish at your favorite restaurant. Yeah. Because you know what it'll taste like every time. I'm a little bit obsessed right now. I'm actually playing Dragon Quest XI out here in the living room. Um, I'm playing a Super Famicom copy of Dragon Quest V, Hand of the Heavenly Bride, um, in Japanese, in the bedroom on our old CRT. And I'm also playing Dragon Quest Builders 2 when I'm not playing Dragon Quest XI. And I thought that we had Dragon Quest Heroes, and I was excited to throw that on the pile, but turns out we don't, so. Sorry about that. But, um, Can you yeah, talk man. a bit about the music? Yeah, we can. Do you have something to say about it? I asked if you could talk about it. Oh, I sure. really like it. Okay. I think it's, I think the music that you have in the game is the overworld music from A. It is. So you can actually, this is something they added to the Switch port, and they call it the S edition. You can change most a lot of the music that isn't battle music to be from final fantasy or sorry bleh, dragon quest 8 that's what i use yeah we um we live in a really small apartment so like we're around each other a lot and we're dating we like each other i think so we're around <laughs> each other a lot which means that like whenever he's playing that i'm probably on the couch like doing my own thing and at first i thought the music was really repetitive but now i am so into it mm -hmm. i'm just obsessed with it right now it's, it's great really really beautiful yeah um you know i think people have referred to the dragon quest games as sort of like this collaboration of almost a kind of holy trinity of, of creatives in the japanese games industry um all the way back in i forget when dragon quest one came out i want to say probably early 80s um, composer Koichi Sugiyama created the theme and actually a lot of the musical motifs that have carried out through the whole game series and between Koichi Sugiyama on the composition end of things Akira Toyama sorry Akira Toriyama on the art and um, Yuji Horii on the game design and writing you have basically like the best of the best in the industry kind of just continuously pumping out top quality stuff koichi sugiyama's soundtracks since you asked me to talk about them um just like the game they're not necessarily like new styles each time they're not really kind of breaking a new mold like like i played dragon quest 11 first when i when i went back and played dragon quest 5 on the super famicom <coughs> It almost sounded like a like a like a eight bit or sixteen bit demake of like a Dragon Quest Eleven OST. Um, oh, yeah. These and they just have these like really nice comforting, sort of like almost like a um, almost like a children's fairy tale background music. Yeah, they kind of do. Um, like you sound, you sound, it sounds like you would read a book to them. Yeah. Or, like, they would accompany a little, like, animated pop-up book or something. Uh, which is very fitting for what those games do. Yeah, I think so. And, uh... Don't get me wrong. Though I said the stories aren't surprising. The stories are always very interesting. And 
do a lot of interesting things within them. Um, I've not beaten Dragon Quest XI, so I can't talk about it in like a broad sense. And I probably shouldn't, because you should go play it. Um, it's not that expensive anymore. You don't have to like rush through it. The games are so simple. It's not like a uh, RPG where it's not like like Trails in the Sky or something, where if you don't play it for a few weeks, you like forget what is going on because it's it's all it's all sort of like self-contained vignettes um, in a way. Just a big road trip game where you hang out with your buds, you know. It's like if Final Fantasy 15, if all of Final Fantasy 15 was good instead of just parts of it. That's what <laughs> Dragon Quest XI is like. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> a lot. Did you have one more? Um, I think that I do, but it's I wouldn't say much about it that is different from Dragon Quest XI, but also Dragon Quest Builders 2 is is great. And I'm and I'm sort of just throwing this all into a big roll up and saying the Dragon Quest games in general. I, I would say um, Dragon Quest Builders is great. It's like if Minecraft was not procedurally generated, but was handcrafted designed levels. It's got the building and sort of farming of a game like Minecraft, but again, like nothing is randomly generated. It's it's like it is still um, expertly crafted in the way that a regular Dragon Quest game would be, and it's really damn good. Uh, thank you to my friend Alex who actually gave me a copy of that game. I don't even think it was for a holiday. I think he just like sent me a copy of that game because he thought I'd like it. And I do. I do like it. So thank you. And that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. Cozy, huh? Cozy. Video games are comfy. Video sometimes. games are comfy sometimes. Sometimes they're not. That's why I don't play a lot of them with my coffee. But yeah. I like them all the time. So, um, there it is. That's coffee games. I'm sure you can tell that there are... A lot of other games out there in the world that would fit the mold. Um, so, Nell, let me take your temperature right here. How would you feel about in the future? Listener, how would you feel about in the future a Coffee Games Part 2? I think that'd be great. Okay. I'd love that. Yeah. Give me some time to find some good ones. You want to give listeners a preview of maybe some of the things we're, we're thinking of uh, devoting an episode to in the future? You already mentioned Valhalla? Yeah. I know um, some of the others. I mentioned earlier Metal Gear. Uh-huh. I have... We have an idea of how we want to cover that series mm -hmm. yakuza definitely Ooh, we could do a red dead episode sometime we absolutely should do a red dead episode um i would love to do resident evil oh yeah after my video comes out silent hill when nolan hill. finally plays silent hill too yeah so we're gonna be here once a week or once every couple of weeks whatever the schedule turns out to be you'll probably know by the time this comes out because we'll probably have figured that out but right yeah. now it's up in the air to um talk about things that we like talk about things that we like while we drink drinks that we like talk about them next to a cozy fireplace animation our, our cats sleeping somewhere cat sleeping somewhere and um we hope or at least i hope i assume you're on my page with this we hope that you can use this podcast on the town with nell and noel that's the right title isn't it yeah on the Wait, town nell and noel nell and noel noel and nell no on the town with Nell and Noel. On the town with Nell and Noel, we hope we'll become a podcast that you can use to pour something nice and tasty for yourself. Wrap yourself up in a blanket. Uh, maybe pull someone you like up next to your side and um, just listen to some nice talk about some nice games and some nice things. Yeah, if you want to reach out to us, 
our website is snail.town. Mm-hmm. And you can... Still can't believe we snagged that. It's a really it's cool yeah. URL. And our... Um, that has a contact us section, but if you want to email us directly, it's snail the town because some bastard took snail town. <laughs> um, snail the town at gmail.com. We're also both on Twitter. I'm at Admiral Hairdo. No oh, shit. And, uh, oh, I didn't want to cuss on this. Can you cut that out? It's okay. We've already cussed a little bit. Have we? Yeah, yeah. It's oh, all, it's I'm okay. at underscore Catswell. C A T S W E L. And. That's the show. Episode one. We'll see you next week. In the meantime, enjoy yourself. Maybe play one of the games we talked about. I've been Nolan. We've had Sisters Coffee, Black Butte Gold. And with me has been... I'm Nell. Take care.